You're listening to The Enoughness Revolution, a powerful conversation on what it takes to become enough and stay enough as we strive toward our potential. I'm your host, Enoughness Coach and Women's Leadership Mentor, Megan Hale. Join me every Monday and Thursday as I talk to some of the top voices on what it takes to live true, live brave, and become our biggest champion along the way. It's time to revolutionize the way you live, love, work, and dream. This is the Enoughness Revolution. Hello, leaders. I am so excited to be sharing our next guest with you today. We first connected on her podcast called Making the Maven, which is available on iTunes and Stitcher. We had such a great conversation. I wanted to invite her to come share her enoughness journey on the enoughness revolution. So I'm going to be talking to Michelle McLeod today, and we have got such a great conversation for you. But before we get into that, I do want to point you all to the Fearson and Masterclass because one of our co-creators, Maria Hinton, if you do not know her, She's been a phenomenal guest on the podcast. Definitely go and check out her episode. But she's going to be guiding us through some extra exercises this week in our accompanying Facebook group. And if you're new to the Enoughness Revolution, you're like, what is the Fearsman and Masterclass? You can learn more at fearsmanandmasterclass.com. It's a co-creation between me and seven other phenomenal women to help you step up into your personal leadership and create success on your own terms. So I would love to welcome you into that sisterhood. You can find out more at fearsmanandmasterclass.com. Now, Michelle, I love this woman. She's a business strategist. She's a podcast host and an international best-selling author. She's also a former six-figure holistic clinic owner with corporate prowess. Michelle teaches entrepreneurs in the wellness industry how to launch and accelerate their online business growth to the levels that match their dreams. She's an ongoing contributor for Huffington Post, and her work has been featured in Lioness Magazine, Carol Roth's Business Unplugged, Microsoft's Community Connections, and numerous other podcasts and online media. Michelle holds a master's degree in business management, a master's degree in acupuncture, and her bachelor's in economics. She's a licensed and registered acupuncturist by the Minnesota State Medical Board. And you definitely want to check out her podcast, as I mentioned earlier, Making the Maven. And you can join her free community for wellness entrepreneurs. There is a link in the show notes. Cannot wait to share our conversation with you. So without further ado, here is Michelle. Welcome back to the Enoughness Revolution, everyone. I am so excited to have my guest, Michelle McGlade, with me here today. Michelle, thank you for being here. I am honored, truly. I am so looking forward to our conversation. So for all of our listeners who are tuning in, Michelle and I first connected on her podcast, which is called Making the Maven. It's available on iTunes and Stitcher. And we had such a phenomenal conversation. I'm like, I'm gonna, I want to flip the tables here and have Michelle come and talk about enoughness on, on my podcast. And so here we are. So I'm so excited. Michelle, tell me, let's talk about just enoughness as a concept. What does that mean to you? Wow. I mean, that's a huge question, Megan. Let's just dive right in, why don't we? <laughs> uh, enoughness is is presence. I mean, if I had to describe it in one word, I would use the word presence. It's being in the moment with yourself as you are, knowing that who you are is complete Mm. and enough. I love that. 
Yeah. And I, I love the present piece because I don't think anyone's ever mentioned that before. Ooh, that was the very first word that came to mind. <laughs> and we're almost at 75 episodes. So that's a pretty, pretty big thing. So thank oh. you for adding that. <laughs> we're done here. It's a wrap. No. <laughs> <laughs> I nailed it in the first minute. <laughs> <laughs> so we started kind of touching base on your story a little bit when, when you were interviewing me about how enoughness showed up for you in your life and what you're pursuing in order to achieve that. I'd love for you to give our listeners a little bit more behind the scenes for what that journey really looked like and kind of when you notice that that wasn't the way. Yeah. Well, I've, yeah, my journey has been a long story of leaps and switching directions and really a struggle to land into a place that felt really good to me because I think that I wasn't really, I was definitely raised to know that I could do and be anything that I wanted, but I wasn't necessarily raised to be exposed to lots of different ideas. The path that was presented to me was pretty clear, which was, you know, the typical college and then into corporate America sort of thing. And so that's what I did. Mm -hmm. And the really interesting part of my story is during college, I had been sick my, a good part of my life. I just struggled with health concerns and had found a lot of holistic therapies to help me recover, to get better, to be 100% healthy, and really had sparked a passion for holistic health care in general. And now it's so easy to look back and see this, but at the time it wasn't clear, of course. But I, I had a really strong passion that was ignited at that time, mm-hmm. but I ignored it. I was afraid. I, uh, that would not have been an acceptable career option <laughs> in the eyes of the world, in the eyes of how people perceived what I should be doing. And so that probably was the very beginning of my journey to finding enoughness, if you will. Mm-hmm. I can look back and know that that was a decision, that um, a decision not to be present with who I was. <sighs> <laughs> and we all know the conflict that that creates. Even yes. Sometimes we don't even realize we're doing that. You know, I went into corporate America. I had a really lovely stint of 15 years, believe it or not, mm-hmm. uh, very successful. I even took classes on the side to try massage therapy, to become a massage certified massage therapist. And I never really did anything with it. I, I continued to push it down and ignore it because... To be honest, I think that being the high achiever, you know, top performer kind of person, and that's how people perceived me. I was so attached to that. People didn't really want to accept that I might just be a massage therapist, which I'm saying that facetiously because I don't look at healers that way at all. Right. But in their eyes, that wasn't maybe good enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, my journey keeps going. Yeah, so for 15 years, I ignored it. I continued to ignore and push it down. And really, the only reason I think that I started onto the entrepreneurial journey and to fulfilling a passion that I have in the holistic healthcare industry was because I became confident enough in myself. Mm. And just dissatisfied enough. Nothing was wrong in my career. I was making fabulous money, getting titles, you know, it's not like I got laid off and like, what am I going to do now? It was more like, I I really remember at the time feeling that passion continuing to bubble up, 
not wanting to ignore it anymore and to just kind of put my feet firmly on the ground and say, this is what I want to do. This is what I believe in. This is what I'm passionate about. And it was twofold. I wanted to have my own business and I was confident enough I could do it. And I wanted to do it all the way back to my passion from so many years ago, which was in the field of holistic healthcare. Yeah. So I want to highlight something because I think it's incredibly important. I think sometimes a lot of us think that we have to hit this rock bottom moment in order to make a change. But what's more common that I find is that the life that we're living, it's not necessarily unbearable. In fact, it's very bearable. We can continue doing it for our whole lives. (laughs) (laughs) And you see people do that. And I hear, I now pick up on this, right? But I hear women say things like, oh, well, you could do that because, and I can't because. Mm -hmm. And that's just not true. I always take that opportunity to let people know that everything is a decision. It's a series of choices. Now, tomorrow, you might not be able to make a drastic choice to change, but you can make a ton of small choices to get there over time. Oh, that is, anybody that's listening, write that down. (laughs) Um, Because there's something very important going on here, that there's a tendency for us to look at others and to see them as somehow different or more capable, or they have more amenities or luxuries, or it's easier for them. And it is for us when in reality, we're all the same. It just comes down to different choices. And the choices can be, like you said, small, deliberate over time. Yep. Baby steps. You will get there. You will get that dramatic leap you're looking for. Mm -hmm. I say that all the time. Like every single step counts, even the baby ones, because it's so true. I feel like sometimes we're like, well, I'm not doing enough. I'm not doing enough. But you showed up today. (laughs) that's all that matters. You showed up today. Even if you didn't get every single thing on your to-do list done, you still showed up and did one thing. And that one thing moved you a little bit closer. And it's energy. Mm. (laughs) And you know, that energy starts attracting other energy like that. Yes, absolutely. So I want to talk about the choice where you said, I'm confident enough that I can do this. I know that when we feel that, it's not always something that we maintain consistently. <laughs> there's, there's lots of ups and downs of that. So I kind of want to peel back the layer on that a little bit for your own experience of saying, so you got to this point where I'm confident enough to start my own business. And I know that the road to entrepreneurship is very up and down. How do you navigate that or how did you navigate that in the early stages versus how you navigate that now? You know, lucky for me, I had three years. I had to go back to school. I became a licensed acupuncturist and I had three years to undo it. I had three years to go through the process of grieving, of letting go of who I was so I could become who I was meant to be. So by the time I was starting out as an entrepreneur, literally three years later, I was very prepared. Mm -hmm. I had already, I had gone through those ups and downs of confidence. So it actually did not initially influence my life as a business owner. I rocked it. I rocked it (laughs) for a couple years um, because I was really prepared. I was, I believed in, what I was doing. 
I knew I had the deep passion. I knew I had the skill set and I had let go of what I was so attached to. And that's, that's not you know. anything to do, letting go of an attachment. Oh, no. Oh, no. Can you imagine being, you know, <clears throat> I was more than capable. I already had enough degrees. Now I'm back getting in another degree. And it was really uh, humbling. It was humbling. Because I wasn't an expert in the field that I was going into, but I was so much an expert in so many other <laughs> <laughs> I thought so. <laughs> well, that's actually something I see quite often, um, is that when we don't have the education, we have all this other experience, though, that goes into allowing us to feel capable and confident. But sometimes when we're lacking that one piece, it can really rock our enoughness. Saying, well, I can't do that because I don't have any experience in this area. And I feel like there's sometimes a very, depending on what you're pursuing, of course, there's a very tight balance sometimes between having the education and experience and also believing in all the education experience you already are bringing to the table. Yeah. And what you're talking about did happen to me. It didn't happen in that first go around. I I came out of acupuncture school and I really did a great job. I was, I had blinders on, head down, full self-confidence and belief. But um, the story, of course, keeps going because I left that all all behind. I did that for three years really successfully and was miserable. Mm. (laughs) Um. I I probably over I definitely overworked. I thought working hard was the only way to go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it produced results, but it it caused a lot of self suffering, right? Because yes. I ran myself down. But I really discovered that there was more for me. That I was on the right path. That I was finally in this industry that I believe so strongly in, but still the universe was telling me there was something more for me. And that's now where I've landed. And to be honest, that process has been very difficult. Mm. Um, The questioning like you're talking about. So can you imagine all these years going through all of that change and those leaps and having the great things happening, but then having the self-questioning and Can I translate myself online? Can I help other health and wellness experts do what I'm doing? Will it, you know, does what I know, is that enough? Do I have all the tools I need to really help other people produce in the same way? Yeah, those are massive questions. Yes, yes. (laughs) Just to be full disclosure, I've been, I mean, even after all that time, all those experiences, that is what I had to go through. And I think that that's so important to highlight because it doesn't matter necessarily how much experience or how much education we have anything. Anytime we go into something new, our our self-doubt loves to kick up dust and say, but you've never done this. You might have done all these other things. (laughs) And like, yeah, you look good on paper, but you've never done this. And that's where I think we're like the inner work. Mm -hmm. really comes into play because if you don't have a strong foundation with yourself, knowing how capable you are to navigate waters you've never been in before, Mm -hmm. that's where the rubber really meets the road where we're either going to sink or we're going to swim. Right. I feel like I'm swimming for sure. I would say so. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But it's interesting. Like you would think, oh, this, all this experience, all this knowledge, all these different 
you know, situations of self-confidence and difficult times and ups and downs. It should be no problem. But the more years I have in this life, the more experience I have, the more I am very self-aware of the things that are still there. Yeah. They become uh, the... They'll, it'll, it comes up quicker and quicker and quicker, but yet I move through it faster and faster and faster. I agree. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And that's like one of my favorite things about doing the work that I do. And even just like the way that, not like my work that I'm doing for others, but the work I'm doing on myself, because I do notice that you're so much more in tune with what's going on inside. And when you've been doing this work for a while, you have so many tools at your disposal to help push through that that much quicker. And you're like, oh, that really was not as paralyzing as I thought it was or that it used to be. Yes, yes. Mm. Um, I was just listening to your episode with Barbara Stanny and she was talking about something I just totally got schooled in recently. Um, the idea of I don't have to work hard and still great success can come to me. Yeah. That just, I just went through that again. Uh, that's a lesson I'm I'm not done <laughs> learning. <laughs> I'm going through that now because you know, for all of you who are listening, I'm I'm now on maternity leave, and the fact that I'm not working but I can still be successful. I mean, that is really you know, it's messing with my head preparing for all of this. It's it's a strange concept. I I probably did my biggest launch ever of anything. I did it all by myself. I worked part-time doing it, sold a house. I'm getting ready to move. It should be a failure by all definition, and it's not. It's a great success. It's weird. Don't it's, you love when that evidence presents itself of saying, see, you really don't have to. I was like, oh my <laughs> gosh, I wasted all these years. I gotta get, I gotta, I want some more of this. <laughs> Exactly. And I I remember saying to you when we were doing your podcast of, I really challenged myself of how easy can it be? Yes. It really puts me in a different frame of mind of opening myself up to a different potential or a different possibility. Like it doesn't always have to be nose to the grindstone. There's definitely times where you're going to be in that place. We still have work to do and things to accomplish, but letting some ease in, I have found to be so transformative because you start opening yourself up to, it doesn't have to be hard. <laughs> it feels so foreign. It feels so foreign when it's happening. You're like, something must be wrong. This is going to fail. This isn't going to be enough. I know. I'm living proof. It's, I just went through it. I'm kidding you not. This last month, again, If for everybody listening, it feels strange, but it really does not have to be hard. You know what it kind of reminds me of? Um, when me and my husband got together, it was like the first healthy relationship I'd really ever been in. And I'm like, why are we not fighting? Like something is seriously wrong here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a perfect example because everybody can relate. It's just so novel though, because you're like, this is not how it's supposed to be. Mm. But I think when you really kind of embrace something that it just, it, it feels so good. Sometimes it can take us some time to warm up of saying, oh, maybe this is how it was always supposed to be. And I just had no idea. Right. <laughs> where does that come from? I mean, I definitely, I know for me that came from how I was raised. Because oh, yeah. you worked hard, you worked hard, you got ahead, everything would be fine. 
Well, I think it's more, and, and you know, I've kind of dug in the, into this myself and just like from a psychological perspective, there's a lot of different layers to this because in our culture, we really pride ourselves on a strong work ethic and the way that we define work ethic is working hard. Mm-hmm. So we already have this cultural layer, the macro culture, and then we also have the micro culture. So our, our parents, our caregivers, how they raised us, what their, their values were and how we were pushed to succeed or pushed through school or pushed through sports or whatever that might be. So for me, there's definitely the macro culture layer, but then the micro culture layer is watching my parents, how they worked from their generation. And then it kind of gets passed on, you know? Mm -hmm. So peeling that back of saying, maybe it doesn't have to be like, I don't have to work hard. Even just saying that, It's kind of like, that's not okay because it goes against everything we're taught. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times, even like coming up in my conversations, um, it's, I'm not saying that you don't have to work. (laughs) That's not what I'm saying. Right. I mean, yeah, I've been working. I've been working. Yeah. But you can work from a place of ease where it doesn't feel like it's so forced. Right. You can, you can do a lot more allowing. Yeah. I've, I noticed that I've been, I've been doing that too. Maybe that's also helped change it so much more quickly for me in that just when I'm sitting down and there's tasks in my business, I don't love to do surprise, surprise. Um, A lot of it's technology related and I don't outsource everything. So I would just sit down and go, this is going to be fun. It's going to go quickly. Just get focused, get in and get out and yeah. with ease. Yes. Well, the and it goes with ease. Approach something is, is huge. It's huge. Yeah. And if we sit down and say, this is going to suck. This is going to be terrible. Oh, I don't want to do this. And more than likely than not, you're not going to enjoy the process. <laughs> but if you approach it from a more positive place of saying, you know what? I can learn this. I can be efficient at this. This isn't going to take that long. It's really not that bad. And that's going to really help my business. Yes. And the truth is, most of us women, we're so wonderful. We can figure anything out. It's not that hard. It's just that we don't, we just resist it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And I will say that, you know, going on maternity leave has really encouraged me to outsource a whole lot more than I had in the past. Because I had this old tape of like, you have to do it all on your own, <laughs> which does not set you up for ease at all. <laughs> no, I learned that one in my last business. So I I totally outsourced early, luckily for me. But Yes, and I will recommend that to everybody. Like outsource whatever you don't enjoy doing, whether that's in your business or even in your home. Um, because having some help really frees you up just from an energetic space, I find. Yes. That when I can engage in things that I enjoy more, I tend to get more done. And lo and behold... I'm actually much happier. Yes. <laughs> so that's not that hard of a, of a switch to make really. But I think um, a lot of times I see a lot of women struggling to let go, feeling like that they're going to lose something if, if somebody else is helping them. Oh, that's an interesting way to say that. I don't know that I have that. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say I don't. It, it'll probably show up tomorrow now that you said that to me. <laughs> well, it's almost like, um, like permission is needed. 
mm-hmm. to not do it all. And like, it, it's, it's okay to not do it all. Oh, totally. <laughs> totally. So I've leaned into that this year and I'm, I don't think I'm ever going to stop leaning into that because I've just noticed how, how drastic a change it has been for me. So Michelle, I'd really love to talk to you about now that you've kind of let go of the attachment of who you should be. Mm-hmm. What has the experience been like stepping into who you really want to be? Because what I've noticed is that when we let go of the shoulds, we have to go through a much different process of finding our answers because we're no longer looking outside of ourselves. We're looking more inward. And sometimes that's a whole other process of learning to trust ourselves on a deeper level. Yes. And that's exactly what has happened to me. I would say I have been fully online, not even a year, but I've almost a year, like full time. I had two businesses and, you know, the longer I am away from my first business and, present in this one, the more inner work I see that needs to be done. Nothing needs to happen outside of me. Mm. It, that's what I see. I didn't see any of that before. I mean, it's amazing I even launched a business and made money uh, because I never did any inner work. Mm. Um, or I didn't focus on the inner work. I had a knack for understanding the law of attraction and energetics. And, and so I I was doing things without really working on my inner stuff. Yeah. But now that I'm here, I'm fully into who I am, not ashamed of what I'm doing, believing in my message and my platform and understanding why I'm doing this. All I see as barriers or challenges or just things that need to get done are internal. It's nothing outside of me. And so what does the inner work look like for you now? Like, are there certain practices that you have in place kind of, maybe not as a daily thing, maybe it's a weekly thing, a monthly thing. What are some of the things that you do to really stay on top of that? Yeah, I've, you know, I've tried a lot of different stuff because I don't know that I've settled into the routine. I know that I've done a lot more reading more than I ever have. Mm -hmm. Um, books on tape, podcasts, things like that around money and money mindset. Mm -hmm. Tons of that. I love, love, love doing tapping. Mm, Yeah. Uh, That works really well for me and it works for me in different ways. So if I've I've got a negative emotion or a limiting self-belief, I can definitely use tapping to work on that on a regular basis, but I also use it like if I'm low energy, like right before a podcast or an interview or something with a client. So that has multiple uses in my business for me. Mm -hmm. And I have done tons of, you are more than enough because I mean, I've written hundreds of of lines (laughs) of working and seeing what comes up for me. And, and that has been very powerful. Oh, I love that one. Yeah. That's kind of similar to like the I am statements that I use. Mm-hmm. I've noticed, and this is just, just from my personal perspective, but I've noticed that like when I engage in the same thing every single day, it kind of starts to feel a little stale. Mm-hmm. And so like, it's really important for me to like kind of keep a little bit of zest and passion and like my own inner work. And yes. so having a lot of different tools in there, like trying something new can really add that spark back in. 
Yes, that's why I think I float around to different books and things too. Like I'm not a read cover to cover or even I don't listen to every podcast episode of someone's podcast all in a row. Like I just float around and pick up little pieces here and there. But I do something every day. Mm -hmm. And if something is coming up for me, and I think this is really important, I will stop. I will stop what I'm doing. I won't work anymore. I will sit quietly. I'll take a nap. I'll go for a walk. I will do something until that passes because it's not serving me in my business. Mm. So how do you know, like for for those of uh, our listeners who are kind of new on this journey, how do you know when something keeps coming up for you? It's a muscle you build, just like anything else. It wasn't easy at first. I didn't automatically know. I started listening to other people and like, oh, that, that, I mean, just listening to you. I'm like, oh yeah, maybe that's coming up for me. I better pay attention. And you, you start paying attention enough. You pick it up really fast. Like when I started really doing this work, I was floored by how many times a day I was telling myself something that was really limiting my thinking. Now, it, you know, I don't even have to think about it. It doesn't happen every day, you know. So it's awareness. It's presence. Let's go. That's yes. the theme. It's presence. I love that. I was actually just but talking I, to um, my business coach earlier, and there's this project I've been working on, and it, there's a hole in it, and I can see it. And I, I said, you know, I'm not going to say that I suck at this because I don't necessarily think that's true, but I think that I'm new at this and just kind of catching that one little phrase might not seem like a big deal to somebody, but being mindful of how you talk about yourself <laughs> is huge. It really, really yeah. is. I love that. I, I mean, definitely I have those moments. I was just putting together a training for somebody else. And I, especially when I do something for somebody else, I want it to be like my best, best, best work. But that doesn't happen 100% of the time. And it does have to be enough. And I just have to know inside that what I gave was still enough. And that maybe I was just new at it or I didn't have my top-notch day. Yeah. But w- the knowledge and that I have to share and my vision and my passion, somebody will definitely benefit from that. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's so helpful to be able to look at yourself, like just from like a leadership perspective, um, being like a CEO or business owner, even of saying, okay, this area isn't my strongest. doesn't mean I'm not necessarily good at it. I just don't have enough experience in it. Do I want to strengthen this or do I want to bring somebody else in? There's a couple of different options that I can play with with that framework versus saying I suck at it and just shutting myself down. That's not going to do any good for anybody. And I see that a lot, especially in small businesses. And that's what most of us own and operate. Mm-hmm. They'll just shut it down. They don't even invest in leadership. I'm really passionate about this topic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, they don't think of themselves like leaders. They talk about their team like my team and they help me instead of our business and how we work together, just all kinds of stuff like that. Mm -hmm. What role do you think leadership plays in like building a successful business? Everything. Yeah. um, You are a leader for 
in your own for your own business you're a leader for the clients that work with you if you're local you're a leader in your community as a business owner online you're a leader for your colleagues um, people are looking up to you they're watching you you have a, a if you're making a contribution people are needing you to step into your greatness and show it off in the, the most, most fabulous way. And that's a responsibility. And a true leader owns that. Yeah. I've had, um, you know, there's been some discussion about leadership and, and shying away from that word of really owning it and, and wearing it. And I think that sometimes the responsibility scares people a little bit because there is a great deal of responsibility that comes um, when, you, when you see yourself as a leader because we're, we're asked to, to look at ourselves and to question how well we, we are leading. And that is really us coming up against our own humanity and our own imperfections, knowing that we're not going to do everything perfectly. No one is going mm -hmm. perfectly. There's always going to be room for improvement. But I think that owning that responsibility comes a certain power. Mm. And I, that's Absolutely. why I love the, the leadership quality so much because it asks you to step into the power. Yes, it is. I, I got a very great education on leadership in my first business with the people that were, I was surrounded by and they were all fabulous people, but they really taught me what I wasn't doing well. And hopefully we all got out on the other side. <laughs> together and I and we did we did but I I had some tough lessons of looking at myself and how I wasn't showing up for them it's a responsibility mm -hmm. if you're going to lead a team whether they're your employees independent contractors if you're going to be the leader within a community a lot of online business owners are leading Facebook groups or LinkedIn groups that's a huge responsibility and people are watching and I hope you don't take it lightly not you, Megan, of course, but the anyone listening. <laughs> yeah, sure. And I, I would even say that like, the layer that I think is most important is like how we lead ourselves. And the inner work is really like when you're dissatisfied with your life, dissatisfied with your business, dissatisfied with anything, there's a leadership element that is missing because you're not taking charge to, to change it. That's a great point. Usually when something is not going well around you, outside of you, it's usually the problem is inside. <laughs> yeah, no, but it's true. Yeah. It could just be you're not happy. It could be you're overworked. I mean, it doesn't have to be super deep. A lot of times it is, but it's usually inside. Yeah. And I think, you know, when you really break it down to that, that perspective, leadership is, <laughs> it really comes back to the choices you make of what are you choosing to do or not do? And sometimes by taking a passive role, that's a very disempowered place to be. You're not standing in your personal leadership. So uh, I think for anyone who wants to create any sort of change in their life, like kind of warm up to the idea of being a leader and what that really means to you, because it's really just owning your capability of making executive decisions <laughs> in your own life. Yeah. I love I that. Mean, yeah, it doesn't necessarily even have to apply to a business ownership situation. I mean, you're a leader in your household, you're a leader in your family, you're a leader with, you know, your community of friends. Yeah, 
I absolutely agree. So Michelle, to kind of wrap things up today, I would love your perspective on what enoughness feels like now that you have kind of found your groove. Like what, how does life feel different than it did before? I feel so much more content, mm -hmm. I guess. I feel much more content. I'm not saying all the work is done and I'm not continuing to exercise my muscles of, uh, of enoughness, but um, I'm much more, it's content. I don't, I don't feel like I'm searching. I'm not searching. I know exactly what I believe, why I'm doing what I'm doing. I understand how all of the things that happened to me in the past have brought me to this place and that every tool that I need is inside and I just have to continue to work on it so I have them at my disposal more readily. I love that. I love that because, you know, for me, it's almost like um, you feel like you've either come home to yourself or you finally arrived for yourself. And there's really a, a deeper feeling of being whole that you didn't really have before and you didn't even really necessarily know that you were, you were missing it, that you were unwhole. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when I look back, I can see I was missing something, but now, yeah, now that I'm here, it, it, it just feels, it, I wouldn't say coming home. What was the other way you described it? That really arriving. resonated. Arriving. I feel that I have arrived people. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so look out. <laughs> no, I love that because I mean, it's, it's like you've arrived for yourself and there's, there's nothing I think more gratifying than, than having that feeling or even just that acknowledgement. I mean, I remember very distinctly when, when I started feeling that way, that it, it didn't really necessarily matter what else I achieved in my life. I had already achieved something so massive for myself. I was so proud and so content and so deeply satisfied just within that, that framework, within that work, that everything else just became icing on the cake. And <laughs> that's where things got really fun because I was no longer so super attached to all of these things needing to happen in order to be enough. When I already felt enough just as I was, everything else was just extra. Yeah, that's really important what you said, because I hear this so much, um, especially in the coaching industry, because that's where I'm living now, but that you need to, you know, trust, just let it, just let go and let things happen and trust. But that's not easy to do that. Like, you can't just go, oh, well, since you told me to do that, I'm just going to relax and trust. Like, it requires inner work. That's what the piece that kind of gets missed, I think. You need to relax and trust and flow. And how you do that is by addressing, you know, inner enoughness. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And I, I could actually talk about that for another 45 minutes. <laughs> because, it, I mean, it really is. I mean, it, it's been almost impossible for me to um, practice trust and faith until I, I found that I had arrived for myself because there was a worthiness issue there. And in order to really trust and have faith in something, you have to know that you're worthy of, of receiving things in your favor. 
when you lack that, there's always going to be that doubt and that worry in the back of your mind. And it doesn't mean that trust and faith is the complete absence of worry and doubt. <laughs> it's not what it means at all, but it means that it is much more powerful than the doubt and the worry and the fear because you know what you are worthy of receiving. I love that. I just, I've heard you say the word power so much and it's like, who are you going to give the power to? It's yours to give. Are you going to give it to yourself? Or are you going to give it away? I love that. Yeah. And so I would say how to ask that question is first becoming aware of how you do give your power away. And yeah. a very easy way of giving it away is to worry and to doubt and to be in fear. That's lovely. There you go. That's really lovely. <laughs> So we're just going to wrap it up right there. <laughs> um, for all of those who have listened, I do have a free workshop on Vimeo that talks about how to lean into trust and faith over worry and doubt. And it really talks about my own spiritual journey of, of arriving and, and coming home to myself and rewriting the divinity story of knowing that I am worthy of receiving the things that are in my heart. I'm worthy of the universe acting on my behalf and putting things in my favor. That's such a huge component to how we practice those things. So if you're interested in that, I'll include a link in the show notes. And Michelle, thank you so much for being an amazing guest today. I'm so glad we got to reconnect. Thank you for having me. I consider it an honor because this is an opportunity for me to share, but share in a way that helps me learn about myself more. Mm, I love that. I'm so glad. And to all of our listeners, thank you so much for sharing this space with Michelle and I. We will see you again soon. Thank you so much for joining us on the Enoughness Revolution. If today's episode rocked your world or added value to your life, I'd love for you to let us know by leaving a quick review on iTunes. The Enoughness Revolution is a global conversation for owning who we are as women and owning who we are as leaders. If you're ready to break free from the destructive stories of not enough and step boldly into your own leadership, Visit me at megan-hale.com for one-on-one coaching, group programs, and courses, all designed to empower you to lead. Until next time, you're beautiful, you're powerful, you're capable of achieving everything you desire. Claim your enoughness, sister, and unleash the fierce feminine leader within.